All right, welcome into episode 79 of the Hot Grits Podcast. I'm Travis Jadon. Flying solo today, Spencer jet-setting once again, his latest vacation of the summer. But that's all right, we got plenty to talk about, uh, and I'll do my best to drive you guys solo today through episode 79. I want to tell you guys about Coach's Corner, though, our title sponsor, 912-352-2933-3016 East Victory Drive. Go to Coach's Corner. It's the best sports bar in Savannah, bar none. And tell them the Hot Grits podcast sent you. Owner John Henderson and those guys do it right. Cold beers, hot wings, 1.48 billion TVs now. That's what they got. So tell your server or bartender that the Hot Grits podcast sent you. And they'll take care of you, give you a special offer. Go to Coach's Corner today at 3016 East Victory Drive. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter today. All right, going to get going. Episode 79 of the Hot Grits podcast. Flying solo today, so bear with me. Here's a little bit of camouflage, and then we'll get it going for the 79th time, the Hot Grits Podcast. My name is Van Johnson. I'm 67, made up the city of Savannah. I'm pro go Let's go. That's all we needed. Ain't nobody gonna rip like me, spit like me, flip like me, drop them hot grits like me, it's like me, just like me. Ain't nobody gonna rip like me, spit like me, flip like me, drop them hot grits like me, it's like me, just like me. Ain't nobody gonna do it like me, do it like me, make other rappers do it like me. Who could that be? Camouflage. Okay, welcome in episode 79. Hot Grits Podcast. It's season four, episode 19. I'm Travis Jadon. Like I said in the intro, just me today. No Spencer Maddox. Who knows where this guy is? Honestly, at this point, who knows where Spencer Maddox is? Spencer San Diego, jet setting across the world. Um, but when he makes time for us, he, he's electric. So that's why we keep him around. Uh, okay, so I'm going to ride solo today. We got a few things that I want to talk about. I'm going to get some things off my chest while Spencer is gone. Uh, to God knows where. None of the special effects today, none of the special intros or fade-ins because I don't know how to do all that. So what I will do is just get behind the mic, talk about some things this week that are relevant to us at the Hot Podcast, uh, and then we will get out of here. First, I want to tell you guys about the Coach's Corner Sports Network. The other two shows that are going on right now, or three shows, I should say, um, Rubbin' and Grubbin', the NASCAR show with Brandon Bain. Brandon does an excellent job solo. I don't know how he does it. Because I can just tell you from having had to do it solo in the past, just for a couple episodes, it's extremely difficult. So what Brandon Bain does, talking NASCAR every week on Wednesday nights, is electric. So find him on Wednesday nights on the Coach's Corner Facebook page or on the Rubbin' and Grubbin' YouTube channel. Go click subscribe on that. Also, we got our guy Carl DeMossi doing the Coach and the AD show on Saturday mornings and Wednesday evenings. Also on the Coach's Corner Facebook page and on the Carl DeMossi Sports Report page. Uh, you can also find the baseball podcast that they do. Him and Kyle Lawson do the Who Is On First Baseball podcast. And you can find that wherever you get your podcasts on Podbean, especially uh, under the Carl DeMossi Sports Report. So find that. Go click subscribe. Go click like. Those guys do a great job talking baseball. Um, and baseball is one of the things that I'll talk about. Today, but first I'm going to start with a little story time. School starts this week. School started last week for a lot of people, uh, including my niece, Madison. Shout out, Madison starting kindergarten last week. Uh, I have a story about when I started school, and I'll tell you guys uh, the story in honor of school starting this week. First day of kindergarten, first day ever, Miss Gordon's kindergarten class at Hess Elementary School. Uh, for me, this was a long time ago, as I'm about to turn 30. But I remember it like it was yesterday. 
So as you do the first day of school, you go around and say your name, maybe your favorite color uh, at this time or what your favorite cartoon is. You sort of introduce yourself right to the class. So that's what we're doing. That's what the class is doing. And it gets to the row in front of me to a blonde girl who I remember her name. Her name was Candace. And she said her little bio, what her name was and and, you know, what her favorite color was. And then she said that over the summer, she had learned how to count by fives. She could count by fives. First day of kindergarten, she's going to drop this on us. And she's sitting right in front of me, you know. I'm like three people behind her, so i got to come up with something to follow this up with. Well, she gets all the way up in the 30s and 40s, counting by fives, just doing her thing. And I don't like it, so I take the scissors out of my pencil box right after she's done, and I cut the back of her hair. I just snipped the back of her hair because I didn't like that she could count by fives and she was already doing this, setting the tone, first day of kindergarten, so I had to match it. I had to match the heat that Candace was bringing, counting by fives, so I cut her hair with some, pen- with some scissors that probably had never been used before, fresh pair of scissors out the pencil box, and I snipped the back of her hair. Needless to say, I never got to introduce myself or say my favorite color, red, by the way. Uh, I got sent home the first day of kindergarten. And I don't think I ever cut any girl's hair after that, but not a great way to start kindergarten. And I wanted to share that story in honor of school starting this week. Go get them. Go get them, kiddos. If you're listening to this, go get them this week. Um, all right, let's start with football. I'm going to start with some football, some college football. This week, as the coaches poll came out in college football, August 10th, as I record this Tuesday night, August 10th, uh, the coaches poll comes out. And does the coaches poll matter in college football? No. No, it doesn't matter. But there are some things to take away from it, I think, and they point to some larger talking points, which the, the main one for me and for our purposes here on this podcast are Georgia and Georgia Southern and the Sunbelt Conference as well. Georgia enters the season number five in the AFCA coaches poll. This week, as the USA Today released the preseason poll, they're number five um, and... Georgia Southern, not ranked, but I thought it was interesting to say this. More top 25 games this year, according to the coaches' poll, will be played in Statesboro than in Athens. So more top 25 teams are coming to Statesboro this season than they're coming to Athens. And that bodes well for Georgia, obviously. They'll start the season against number two Clemson, neutral site. Then they don't get another ranked team the rest of the year. Preseason ranks now. They don't get another preseason top 25 coaches poll team until Florida, who comes in at number 11. So Georgia will face Clemson in a neutral site, number two, and Florida in a quote-unquote neutral site in Jacksonville, number 11. Georgia Southern, meanwhile, will host number 23, Louisiana Lafayette, and number 24, Coastal Carolina. They'll also host BYU, by the way, no big deal. They're not preseason ranked, but That's another big-time game in Statesboro this year. So, more top 25 games in the city of Statesboro than in the city of Athens this season. And that's saying something. I think that's why a lot of people think that Georgia might have all the stars aligned to make another college football playoff run. I think I'm one of those people because with that kind of schedule and with how bad the SEC East looks to be this season, seems to me that Georgia's the clear favorite, even if they were to slip up. Maybe they do slip up in Jacksonville. I don't know if they're going to beat Clemson to start the year. 
but they should be the favorite to come out the East. And that's saying something, I think. All right, other notes in college football this week. Bobby Bowden, the famous Florida State coach, passed away. Uh, the, kind of the last of a, of a dying breed, right? The old school, the old ball coach. 377 career college football wins. That ain't too shabby. Uh, I'll always remember Bobby Bowden for his dad gummits um, and his old school sort of clashing with the new school at Florida State in the early 2000s. Those teams were electric to watch, and they were led by really a guy that wasn't too electric in Bobby Bowden on the sidelines. That was sort of his shtick, was to sort of be, you know, gosh darn dadgummit, all the way to the national championships in, in those days in the BCS era. Also, Mark Richt running those offenses sort of, I think, took a lot of what he would later become as the head coach at Georgia from Bobby Bowden in those early years. So, Certainly rest in peace, Bobby Bowden. We hope uh, his family is doing all right. I, th- I think, I don't want to chuck at this, but I think a lot of people will look back at those Florida State years and think, you know, maybe that was the end of it. But it seemed to me that Jimbo Fisher had a good thing going there when him, he and Jameis Winston won the national championship. And now Florida State, boy, it finds itself a long way from those Bobby Bowden years. All right, let's move on from college football now and talk some NFL. The NFL, once again, has made news, which it did not necessarily need to make. Not so positive news. Uh, the NFL, the no-fun league, as some are touting it now, uh, will strictly enforce, those are, that's in quotes, strictly enforce taunting violations this fall during its 2021 season. The officials are being told to watch carefully for taunting by individual players, and they are going to enforce it strictly. Uh, that's, that's putting it mild, I think. Two violations now. Two violations of this taunting penalty will result in an automatic ejection. Players could be subject to fines and suspensions based on previous taunting violations. So you're going to start having a record now of guys who are, I guess, serial taunters? The NFL believes that this is its biggest problem right now is dealing with taunting. It's remarkable to me that it it refuses, the NFL refuses to take a stance on what is going on in Houston with Deshaun Watson and all of his pending stuff. The league is being held captive by that, in a sense. All of that's going on. Meanwhile, the NFL is focused on taunting penalties. That's what it's got its head wrapped around is taunting penalties. Unbelievable that the league cannot get out of its own way on this kind of stuff. All this comes after the NFL had its annual Hall of Fame game, Hall of Fame induction, which was loaded because of the 2021 cancellation from COVID. Um, the Hall of Fame, to me, is sort of boring. All the all those speeches and whatnot, unless it's somebody that you really, truly loved. And there were a lot of big names this year, Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, to name a few. Um, but, but when the Hall of Fame comes around, and I always find myself wondering, why the hell is Herschel Walker not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? And I've heard other people talk about this, but no one really talks about it as the sham that it is. If it's the NFL Hall of Fame, okay, I can see an argument that Herschel Walker should not be in it. But if it's the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you have to combine Herschel's USFL stats with his NFL stats. They're both professional football leagues. They were, at least. 
when you combine Herschel Walker's numbers in pro football, when you look at his pro football career in totality, he's a surefire Hall of Famer. And it's, that's not really up for debate. His combined 13,787 rushing yards would rank fifth all-time. 45 combined touchdowns would tie him with Marcus Allen for sixth all-time. 25,283 all-purpose yards would be the number one all-time in pro football. He's the number one all-purpose yards leader in pro football history. He's 2,000 yards ahead of what Jerry Rice had all-purpose. He's 2,000 yards ahead of the second-place man. He should be in the Hall of Fame if we're going to call it a pro football Hall of Fame. If not, just call it what it is, the NFL Hall of Fame. That's fine. But it can't be the Pro Football Hall of Fame if you don't include Herschel Walker in it. That's ludicrous. That's crazy town. And while we're at it, you can include Georgia, the University of Georgia, in the camp of people not including Herschel Walker where he should rightfully be. There should be a statue in front of Sanford Stadium of Herschel Walker. Every speed limit in Athens should be 34 miles per hour instead of 35 miles per hour. And there should be recognition of Herschel Walker in Athens way more than there is right now. But there's not, and something tells me it's probably political. It's probably political, and that's a shame. Because Herschel Walker is the greatest to ever do it at Georgia. Maybe the greatest to ever do it, period. So he needs to be in the Hall of Fame, and Georgia needs to have more recognition of him in Athens. That's my take on that. All right, stick with us on the second half. I'm going to talk about the Braves, the Bananas winning the title, and a few other things. Stick with me. Prep Sports Report has been delivering local coverage for more than 20 years and continues to celebrate youth athletes in the Coastal Empire to this day. PSR has your daily updates on outstanding student-athletes in our area every day, always free to read and scroll. Led by local legend Carl Damasi, Prep Sports Report gives fans and parents what they want without any of the extras. Your athletes, your Prep Sports Report. Visit PrepSportsReport.com today. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PrepSAV. You gotta love it. PrepSportsReport.com The Hot Grits Podcast is sponsored by Bewley Oaks Home Improvement. Bewley Oaks Home Improvement in Savannah. B-E-A-U-L-I-E-U Call Tony today for any kind of home improvement work you might need. Whether it's inside the house or outside the house. Whether it's in the kitchen the bathrooms, the floors, the roofs, anything you may need. Tony has got you. 912-667-5235. That's 912-667-5235. You'll ask for Tony, tell him what you need done, and tell him the Hot Grits podcast sent you. All right, welcome in second half of episode 79 of the Hot Grits Podcast. Going to talk a little baseball coming up, talk about the Braves and the Bananas winning the Coastal Plain League title. Shout out to head coach Tyler Gillum and those guys for a job well done. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that before we talk about the Braves. But first, wanted to wrap up the Olympics. USA on top, feeling extra patriotic. The USA edges China in total gold medals on the final day of the Olympics. And for me, it was highlighted, the gold medal run was highlighted, obviously, by the USA 
men's basketball team vindicating themselves, I think. There was a lot of talk after they won the gold that we were being too critical, the people were being too critical of them and doubting them and all that stuff. But they, like, it's important to remember they played terribly, therefore like they deserved criticism. But I'm stoked that they won. I'm stoked that they won gold. I'm stoked they did it despite Greg Popovich. Kevin Durant, for me, that, that lifts him to a little bit of a different level. I mean, it's not the same as winning a world title in the NBA. It's not the same. All right, a gold medal is not equal to an NBA championship. But it is something. I mean, it's something on the resume that a lot of guys don't have. That a lot of guys do not have. So KD has that now as, I think, the bonafide star of that team. Uh, in Tokyo for the 2020 Olympics in 2021. What a weird, weird Olympics it was, man. I don't think NBC did too great of a job, to be honest. I don't think they made it too easy to find different events. The time, the time change, the time difference was radical. Obviously, 13 hours difference made it, made it difficult to track. But NBC didn't do itself any favors, I don't think. The coverage was not that great, and they should have made it easy, and they should have made it simple to find out when when games were, when sporting events were, and what channel they were and how you could watch them. The fact that the USA men's national team won gold medal on Peacock, that you couldn't even watch it on regular television, was absurd. I mean, that's absurd to have men's basketball on Peacock and not available on USA or NBC or NBC Sports, any of those. I mean, a lot of people don't have Peacock and they weren't able to watch Greg Popovich almost screw it up. Thankfully for those people, they didn't have to watch that. But USA wins gold. Uh, One more thing I wanted to touch on from the Olympics before we move on. Uh, The women's soccer team won bronze. And a lot of the soccer experts are saying that it's the end of the golden era for women's soccer in the United States, which has long been a world power, obviously, and you know, I think we've become accustomed to just watching them win every four years in the Olympics. Same for in the World Cup, at least compete and, you know, contend for golds, even when they weren't winning golds in the World Cup. So they've long been a world power. And I think a lot of people think this is sort of the end of that run with this bronze medal. Um, and I'll, I'll defer to them. I'll defer to them on that, to the soccer experts on that one. But what I do want to say is that I don't think I don't think what Megan Rapino and what others on that team did by kneeling during the national anthem signaled the end for the U.S. women's soccer team. If you think that what they did during the pregame festivities influenced the outcome of the game, then I, I question how much, how much you know about athletics and about competing. If you think that the posture of a person during the pregame national anthem impacts what happens during the 90 minutes on the pitch, you're crazy. I mean, you're crazy to associate those two things, winning and losing, against what you do during the pregame national anthem. That's absurd to think. And I don't think rational people can make that deduction. Instead, they would see an aging roster the rest of the world catching up. Those things are reasons for the demise and the, the inevitable decline of women's soccer. It wasn't going to stay like this forever. What a great run they had, but 
Yeah, I mean, they're not getting front page news anymore because they got a bronze. Front page news in Olympics, you could get that with bronze. That's what it seems like. If you win a bronze in the Olympics and women's in women's gymnastics, if if you win bronze in women's gymnastics, it seems like you'll be on the front page. That's what this Olympics told me, at least. All right, we'll move on to baseball. First, I want to tell you guys about John Carr. John Carr Real Estate in Savannah. John Carr's our guy, and he's really, really an expert on the Savannah State or the Savannah Real Estate market. I got Savannah State on the mind. Call John today, 912-228-0916. Visit johncarrealty.com. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. John has sold millions in homes and has just recently been named the July Real Estate Agent of the Month at his business. And he wants to help Hawkers podcast listeners today. So whether you want to learn more about the Savannah, Savannah real estate market, or you just want to learn about selling, about buying, any of that, John can help you out. 912-228-0916. Tell him the Hawkers podcast sent you. All right, let's talk baseball. Let's talk bananas. They brought a championship back to Savannah. And so they're going to get some shout outs from me. Tyler Gillum, the manager of the Savannah Bananas, wins his first CPL title. It's Savannah's first CPL title since 2016. So shout out to those guys for really running roughshod through the Coastal Plain League all year. The Bananas were excellent preseason. Like what we saw on paper was they had power five guys from across the landscape, top Juco players, and guys that had been there before, and it showed on the field they kicked the shit out of everyone really in route to that title. Um, and they deserve a lot of credit. I, I will say this. A lot of people will point to the atmosphere and, and the kind of mentality that the Bananas owners have. And I do think that plays a role in attracting good players to come to Savannah. Right? If you're given the option of where you want to play, you don't want to play in Macon all summer. Right? You'd rather come to Savannah as a 20-something-year-old male baseball player in college. It's a better product here, and there's way more fans here, which attracts better players to the roster. It also attracts better coaches like Tyler Gillum. So what Jesse Cole and Jared Orton and those guys have done at the Bananas is make a product where really good players want to come play for them, and that leads to a lot of wins. So I think the fact that the Bananas won is because they had really good players and really good coaches. Okay, so it's that simple. But the reason they have those coaches and they have those good players is because of the product and the off-the-field stuff that Jared and Jesse and those guys have come up with, and Barry Aldridge. Um, Shout-out to him, former Hot Grits podcast guest. All right, let's touch on the Braves before we go. Um, As I record this, they're tied with the Cincinnati Reds 2-2 on Tuesday night. They've got three with the Reds, then nine games on the road. They entered play on Tuesday night, 57 and 55. All right, so that means before Tuesday night, the Braves had 50 games left in the regular season. All right, the Phillies came in 59 and 53. The Mets, 56 and 55. The Braves have won seven of their last 10 entering play on Tuesday night. And look, when you have 50 games left and you're 57 and 55, You have to start counting backwards now. It's time to start counting backwards. This is a critical stretch for the Atlanta Braves. And they got a number they got to get to. And I think that number is 85. 
if the Braves can get to 85 wins by the end of the season, I think they'll find themselves in the playoffs. Now, fan graphs and baseball reference, it's important to note, still has the Braves right around 35% to make the playoffs. But to get to 85 wins, the Braves will have 50 games. They, they need to go 28 and 22 in order to achieve 85 wins in the regular season. So can they play six games over 500 the rest of the way? I think they can. I think since they made these trades at the trade deadline, I think they can. They're, the roster is good enough now to play five, six, seven games over 500 the rest of the way out. Now, if they do that, if they do that, it'll be because of guys like Adam Duvall, Ozzie Albies, Austin Riley. That's a trio I think we need to watch moving forward. That's three, four, and eight. Duvall, Albies, and Riley. Three, four, and eight in the National League RBI leaders category. Duvall was 76, Albies 72, Riley 68. Riley, young, handsome babe, Ruth. 26 RBIs in 23 games since the All-Star break. That's entering play on Tuesday night, by the way. Um, I, I think this Braves team really can do it. It was disappointing to see, I think Saturday night was the blown save by Will Smith against the Nationals. That was, that was tough. But other than that, they've played really well, I think. Spencer's guy, Max Fried, up to a 324 batting average now. Just crushing the ball. Crushing the ball. Austin Riley, also his guy, young, handsome Babe Ruth, crushing the ball. Travis Darno, Travis Darno, go, 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 go. He's set to come back this week for the Braves behind the plate. Ian Anderson on his way back as well. Waskar Yanoa could be back any day now also. So the Braves are getting some guys back, and they're playing decent baseball. The Mets are absolutely metsing it, folks. They are fading, and they are fading fast. Like I said, they interplay Tuesday night, 56 and 55. I don't see them making a run of this. I think the Mets are out of it. I really, really do. With the Jacob deGrom news and everything they got going on with that lineup, I think they're out of it. I think the Braves got to have the Phillies in their sights, and that's it. The Phillies are playing the Dodgers this week. Um, they still have a pretty tough schedule, but nobody has a tougher schedule than the Mets. And New York is on fire right now. They are freaking out about their Mets, and I couldn't love it anymore. All right, we'll wrap up right there. I'll leave that where it is. Hopefully the Braves can, uh, can stay on track here and, and start winning and keep winning, really. Keep winning series. That's the key, I think, for them. Just keep winning series. Keep winning, at, you know, three out of five and see where you find yourself in 40, 50 games. I think they'll be all right. All right, we'll wrap up. We'll see you guys next time for episode 80. Be sure to rate, subscribe, rate, subscribe. Follow me at Jadon Sports. Follow Spencer at Spencer Maddox underscore. Until next time, stay safe. Wash your hands, you filthy animals. Peace.